It is Encounter with God time on The Breakfast Show, which means Bible study time, text uh-huh. message time, uh-huh. quick text messages. Here we go. Interesting in the news, uh, the 8 o'clock news, unvaccinated people, as we know in New South Wales, are not allowed to enter many shops. The government seems to have trained the virus not to enter those shops, question marks. No, I don't think that's the case. They recognise that the virus is going to be spread. They just want it to be spread less. Yes. And this is on based on the now outdated belief that unvaccinated people spread it faster. Yeah. Than vaccinated. Because everybody has it. Well, everybody catches it, but just, yeah. Anyway. Um, or is it that by the results that, that are happening in the most vaccinated countries in the world that they're actually training, trained or hoarding the vaccinated population all together in places where they can actually transfer the Delta strains to each other? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a bit of a... I'm not, I'm not convinced on that one, but anyway. Well, I'm vaccinated and they haven't told me to do anything <laughs> like that yet. Yep. Maybe because they know they know that I'll talk about it on Faith of Hand. <laughs> okay, so you did have a story about... Uh, yes, indeed. About uh, procrastination. yes. Uh, don't rush me. Probably it is. Probably is because especially men don't like to be told what when to do. Yeah, not so much what to do. This is an interesting enough. thought. Interesting thought. You know what? Fair enough. Men like to work on priorities. Absolutely. My wife likes priorities as well. You're in a you're in a good position then. That's a good thing. no. We have different priorities. <laughs> uh, that's why we do whatever needs to be done on time. Mm. Normally. Normally. <laughs> well, maybe. All right, let me see here. What else have we got? The Office of um, uh, what was it? Office of Civil Liberties, the Complaints Department has been closed. Interesting, now you can talk to yourself in front of the mirror. Where Christians, of course, can go to God, the only office of justice that is left. So true right there. We're, mm. We are the criminals. Criminals are the good guys. Talk about making the truth a lie and lie the truth. We are living. We are truly living in the last generation. Oh, that, that hurt to talk about. Oh, that was There's so There's a bad. couple of very that painful stories so this morning. Bad. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, for those who missed it, we're not supposed to call pedophiles pedophiles anymore. They are minor attracted persons. Mm-hmm. Because calling them pedophiles makes them feel bad. It stigmatizes them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the point. I will. That's why, ha- call, I will that's why we call murderers murderers. I will happily get cancelled on Twitter or whatever for sti- creating stigma around pedophilia. Exactly. I'll. I will cop that. That's fine. It's fine with me. All right, good to see the students have a limit. Even they will accept. While most governments have been taken over by demons, humanity will take only so much. Big changes are on the way. A magnificent crisis. A magnificent crisis will do this change. There are Mm -hmm. also good men in government who are doing their best to turn things around. And how true that is. It was good to see the uh, students standing up against the. what was it, um, minor attracted persons movement in the mm. u- university there in Virginia. Mm. The fence of evolution where many Christians are sitting will soon come crashing down. They not only don't know God, but they also don't believe his word. Their beliefs call him a liar who doesn't know what he's talking about. Talk about disobedience. It's so true, you know. Mm. Um, if you're going to have theistic evolution, if you're going to try and sit on that very spiky fence, which is going to be incredibly difficult, then you are accusing God of being a liar. Mm. It is that simple. Yeah. 
Um, is God responsible for everything that happens to us? If you don't believe in Satan, you will never understand the great controversy. Best example, the book of Job. This book helped me to understand the bigger picture and to love God and to oh, hate wow. Satan. Mm. Oh, by the way, a pretty good commercial for the ju- juice shop. Well done. Oh, did that play? <laughs> and I didn't. Well, I've listened to it like three times behind the desk, but I didn't listen to it live, dude. That juice bar commercial is incredible. Like this is this is this is the 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 absolute magic coming from from our producer Shaq behind the glass here from producer Shell, absolutely killing it. Okay, in regards to the uh, Oz Table Talk interview, God allows everything happen that happens. Mm-hmm. Everything to happen that happens, just like at creation. He said, let. Without his let, nothing can happen. This earth isn't perfect because he has let us have our choice, but he is over it all and takes responsibility in his act of sending his son to, to die for our choices. Very good text there from mm. uh, Bruce. And I think that's about it for text messages. So we've got some good ones coming through there this morning. Mm. Um, good start to the day. Let's have some text messages in relationship to the Bible study now. Yeah. See what your thoughts are about the Bible study. Let's go to Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. Oh, I thought you were going to say 30 again. I'm like, oh, we're just, we're just living in this chapter. But We can go there. 32. 30 and verse 17, if you like. No, let's, let's, let's stay in 32. I'm, right. I'm liking how this is going. 32 verse 39. 32 let's read what verse it says. 39. The Bible says, Look now, I myself am he. There is no other God but me. I am the one who kills and gives lives. I, I am the one who wounds and heals. And no one can be rescued from my powerful hand. Yeah, wow. I'm the one who kills and gives life. This is a strong statement right there, particularly for those who say that God doesn't kill. But anyway, that's probably a story for another day, a Bible study for another day. Mm. Let's talk about jealousy. Oh, wow. Mm. So jealousy is one of those things that is pretty much pure evil. Mm. And if you are in a relationship where jealousy is present, my recommendation, my very strong recommendation would be leave. Mm. Uh Jealousy is one of the first indicators of high levels of abuse. And so if you're one of those kind of relationships where your partner, uh, you know, particularly men might comment on, well, you can't wear that, you know, that's inappropriate to wear. They're always commenting on what what kind of clothes you're putting on or where you're going or who you're talking to or uh, controlling your money, how you spend your money, all that kind of stuff, and just freaking out over all those kinds of issues all the time, then get out, just leave because that's a relationship that will develop into an extremely abusive relationship. Mm. So we see, you know, and of course you can you, you, you flip that coin. I put it from a man's perspective because I'm a man. I know how to understand it from a man's perspective, but I also understand that some women are insanely jealous and uh, women who are insanely jealous, it is equally as toxic and destructive to a relationship. Mm. I've seen some relationships up close uh, for a very long period of time where jealousy exists and jealousy is is in many ways a driving force in that relationship Mm. and it's kind of like completely destroyed any kind of love and created one of the most toxic environments for emotional health that I've ever seen. Mm. Okay, so then what about God? God's jealous. Yeah. Super jealous. He's like, I'm God. There's no one else. He calls himself a jealous God. 
Now see that I, even I am he, there is no God beside me. Mm. And so then we go, you know, wandering after other gods and he gets all jealous. What is the difference between God's jealousy and human jealousy? And why does God say that he is jealous? And why is human jealousy so destructive and God's jealousy godly? Yeah, wow. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Give us a call. Send us a text message, 0491-064-669. Let's talk about jealousy this morning. Jealousy, mm. we, we, we know that this is one of the most evil things to exist on earth, and yet God is jealous. Wow. Why can God be jealous and not us? Um, Because he's perfect. <laughs> How am I going to argue with that one? We want to hear from you guys this morning. We want to hear your thoughts on this particular sticky question. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So let's go to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 17. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 17. Okay, um, let's read here. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then verse 18, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Okay, so it kind of, you know, you could read this and, and, and build that argument that so many people do that God is, you know, when, when God says he's jealous, he's just, he's just like a jealous partner. Mm. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 19. Yep, Deuteronomy 4 and 19. The Bible says... And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshipping them. The Lord your God gave them to all peoples of the earth. Okay, so once again, um, we we have this whole concept that you know God's coming along and saying, "I am the only one." If you look mm. up at the stars and the in the sky, don't be tempted to go worshipping them. Mm. And this was a major temptation back in the day because they were seen to be the most powerful forces that there were in existence. Mm. You know, particularly the sun. Without the sun, there is no life. Mm. End of story. And so the sun was the most powerful force in nature. So the temptation is to, well, uh, let's uh, let's worship the sun. Uh, this is what brings all life to the world. And when you have less sun, you have less life. You have winter time, there is less life because there is less sun. You have summertime, there is more life because there is more sun. Therefore, the sun is the giver of life. And if the sun is the giver of life, then the sun must be God. So let's worship the sun. Wow, it's kind of how kind of how it worked back in the day. Uh, but God's like, no, don't be doing that. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 8 and 19. <clears throat> the Bible says, But I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshipping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Mm, wow. Once again, we find a jealous God who says, "We well, worship other gods, you're going to be destroyed. Mm. So we've got some uh, text messages starting to come through here. Let's see what we've got. Um, jealousy started in heaven by Satan. We know what happened there. So what chance will you have in that relationship? This is so true. Mm. And yet there are so many passages in the Bible, you know, um, where, you know, like, for instance, Exodus 34, verse 14, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name 
is jealous. Mm. Is a jealous God. I think about that passage for a moment. The Bible says the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Mm. It says his name is jealous. Wow. So that's pretty strong language. Let's look at uh, the next verse that we've got in our list here, Deuteronomy 11 and verse 16. So good text there uh, coming through to remind us that the original sin in heaven when Satan first sinned sinned, was being jealous of God. Mm. Uh, 11 verse 16. But be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. Okay, so let's put all of this together mm-hmm. uh, because there is a difference between human jealousy That's right. or evil jealousy or mm-hmm. satanic jealousy and godly jealousy. Mm-hmm. And here's where the big difference comes in. Is God ever going to try and control you? Does God's jealousy take away your freedom of choice? No. No, God's jealousy never takes away your freedom of choice. God never tries to control you. So you you know, you know read all these verses in the Bible and you get your... Um, your um, um, your atheist types who will build this big case like, oh, you know, the God of the Bible is just, you know, jealous and mean. And, and, and they take the word jealous and they apply it in a human way and they understand it in a human way. Mm. And they see the word jealous and all they read is someone who's going to take away your power of choice. Mm. Whereas in reality, God's jealousy is all about giving choice and God is jealous because he gives choice. Mm. So let's think about this from a human perspective for a moment uh, when you have uh, a jealous person in a relationship. They're going to try and control who you talk to. They're going to try and control where you go, what you do. They're always going to be looking at, well, what were they doing when you know I wasn't there, when I couldn't keep tabs on them. They're always going to be trying to keeping tabs on you. They'll be sending you text messages or phone calls or turning up at your work at random times or whatever it might be, are all symptoms of a jealous person in a jealous in a, in a relationship that is very, very toxic. Mm. They might be somebody, you know, and the other thing too is the jealousy and control of money is all in the same packet. Yeah. You know, you look at some of the, um, you know, the, that um, young mother and her children that was uh, killed, murdered up there, I think it was on the Gold Coast or in Brisbane. Yeah. You know, some time ago, a very, very famous court case, or very, very famous case, I should say, murder-suicide case. And you look back through that history and you look at, you know, this beautiful, beautiful young family. What was the warning sign that something terrible like that was going to happen? It was control. Mm. And this comes from, you know, obviously a man who's unbelievably insecure and feels that unless he controls everything that happens, he can never have any kind of security in himself. Wow. All about himself and all about him trying to find some form of security. And the big lesson is, once again, if you're in that kind of a relationship, leave mm. now, today. And if that's impossible, then find someone to help you put together an exit strategy so that you can make that happen. And don't worry about your possessions. Worry about your life and the life of your children and get out. Mm. What about godly jealousy? When God is jealous over us, does God take away our power of choice? No. I think another big difference, like here, is that we don't actually have the right to be jealous because 
our entire lives and everything that's given to us, including our partner and all these different things, are privileges afforded to us by God. Yes. God is the only one who can stake a claim in having rights to things because he created all of them. Yes, rights, we have privileges. That's right. Um, and, and it's like, if you take it back to the original sin of, of jealousy, like, right, um, and the whole idea there was that Satan wanted to be God. Now, could Satan be God? No, no. That's like for for a number, like for for very real and physical reasons. Like he can't create, he can't do all these things. But this other, like he he can't be God because he 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 isn't God. Like and so he doesn't have the right to be God. Therefore, his jealousy is unjustified. Does God have the right to our affection? Like, does God have the right to our worship? Does God have the the right to our... Like, he has the rights to all of it because he created us. Like, you know, there's a classic saying, I brought you into this world and I'll take you out of it, which many people's mums have probably said that to them before. I think it's a bit corny and silly now. But it's almost like God is the only one who can actually say that. Yet he doesn't. Like, yet he gives us that choice and makes the decision. Like, he's the one who becomes jealous because he puts himself in that situation by giving us choice. Which is amazing. But yeah, he's the only one who has the right to be jealous. Um, and yeah, he has the feeling of jealousy. He's a living being who like feels jealousy because he has the right to be. It's interesting how God expresses that jealousy. And, and, and this is how it works. The Bible says that God is jealous because God is the only one who is God. Mm. And God, the, the expression of God's jealousy is... Not that God is going to be peevish and controlling and miserable and mm. in your face and in your life all the time. The reason the Bible says that God is jealous is because you've got a choice. Mm. It's either you worship God or you don't. Yeah. And what God won't accept is divided loyalty. Mm. Now, is that wrong in a human relationship? So if you are married <laughs> and you have a partner... And your partner's like, yeah, well, I want to have this other husband as well. Yeah. Do you then have a right to be jealous and to exercise that jealousy and say, in this relationship, you have absolute freedom. You can leave and be with that other person. I am not locking the door. The door is open. Mm. Anytime you want to go, you can go. Yes. But if you're going to be in a relationship with me, it can only be with me. Yeah. And that's the kind of jealousy that God has. Mm. That's what the Bible is expressing when the Bible says that God is jealous. All right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we're exploring this word jealousy uh, here this morning, and we've got some interesting text messages coming through. Living in a jealous relationship is like living in jail. You are the prisoner. Mm. And... This is so true. Um, when you, of course, balance that out with the next text message that says, Godly jealousy is a gift because it's based on love. Demonic jealousy is based on hate. In reality, total control, which is what Satan always wanted. And this is the difference between the two different kinds of jealousy. One is total freedom. Mm. And so we use the word jealousy because if you leave that relationship, then God is super sad. Mm. Uh, but then you have that other kind of jealousy, which is, well, I'm just going to lock you in and keep you in this relationship and I'm not going to let you out in any way, shape or form. Mm. And that is not based on love. Mm. In a loving relationship, the door is 
always open for the person to leave if that's what they so choose to do. Mm. You can never, ever force love. It's impossible to force love. Uh, let me see here. Um, Julia says, A jealous person will try to control what you do, wear, talk to, visit. They want to totally control one's life, even serving in church. Can't even talk to your pastor. They make someone feel like a slave living their life. Mm. Uh, it sounds like somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh, Freco says, With people it is control. Without God, it, it, it's a jealous love. Mm. And then on a slightly different subject, um, Vincent's talking about what happened with the, the story we we're talking about, where uh, pedophiles. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a there's a move to call pedophiles minor attracted persons, like to legitimise them as people. well to not stigmatise them. Yeah, it's to give dignity to them as a person. No, these are people. These are this, these are crimes that deserve no dignity whatsoever at all. Uh, hmm, regarding child molesters, it wasn't that long ago that the same-sex marriage lobbies were saying all we want is the same rights. We said it is the tip of an iceberg, a slippery slope. We are watching the results of this now, I reckon. And the simple reality is if you look at the way that society changes and you go back 50 years from when... Uh, and, and this research has been done, but if you go back 50 years from when uh, the same-sex marriage debate you know, took place here in Australia you had about 95% of the population who, was, who were opposed to same-sex marriage. Mm. Um, when you come down to um, you know, five years before we had that same-sex marriage debate, you had about the same proportion of the population that was opposed to pedophilia, mm. which mean that, means that there is a proportion of the population that is in favour of it. Now, who's to say that that movement can't grow in the same way that the last movement grew? That's the scary thing about what we are seeing right now. Particularly when, you know, we're getting these kinds of people who are coming forward and saying, you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be using these pejorative terms like pedophilia. Well, if you go back 50 years ago, you had some people who were on the fringes of the extreme left who were saying the same things, you know, about same-sex relationships. Mm. And, you know, that it has been important that we learn you know, to treat people as human beings through this whole process. Yeah. Um, and to look at everybody as a, as you know, a sinner just like us, a broken person just like us in need of a saviour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been important. However, uh, it is also important that when somebody commits a terrible, heinous crime against a child, that that is recognised as a terrible, heinous tr- crime against a child. Mm. Anyway. Back to our Bible study. Um, yes. Let's get in the Bible. There's actually, there's so much to say. I was just like, in my mind, you know, started thinking about like a lot of things happening in society that's bringing about the shift as well. You know, like the sexualization of minors and media and like yes. all kinds of things. Yes. There's so much that is just coming together but to it's, make all this happen. But we can talk about it for hours. I, I just want to read the Bible right yeah, now. Yeah, let's read the Bible. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24. Okay, let's go. for it, Lawson. Go. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24. And verse 24, where the Bible says, The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 9. 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, Let me find it. You must not bow down to them nor worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate the affection to other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. 
Okay, and the important point here is that the Bible is speaking about those who reject him. Mm. You know, some people say, oh, he holds the children accountable for what their parents did. No, this is for those who reject him. And the children, if the children reject him, then it continues on. Yep. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 15. The Bible says, For the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. His anger will flare up uh, against you, and he will wipe you from the face of the earth. This is wow. Okay, so why does God do that? I mean, why does God use strong language like this? Mm. The reason is, the answer is very simple. If we look at, 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 at sin as being a disease, That's right. an infection, how are you going to get rid of that infection? You know, you've got an infection that exists in the universe and it is a terminal disease. Mm. It's going to kill anyone who's infected by it. How are you actually going to get rid of that? If we had such an infection in, you know, in the world right now, we would eventually reach the conclusion that the only way you can get rid of it is to kill all those people that have that particular infection. Mm. You know, you've got that movie that was made like, I think it was called Pandemic, you know, 20, 30 years ago, whatever, where they had a pandemic that, was potentially going to wipe out the population of all humanity on planet Earth. And like, okay, um, we have this infection. It is um, quarantined in a very small location right now. If it escapes that, every person on the planet will be destroyed. So let's just nuke the place. Mm. Problem solved. Infection's gone. And, uh, you know, obviously in the movie they discover a serum and they, you know, heal everybody and, you know, all ends happily ever after. But with sin, it's not like that. There is no happily, happily ever after when it comes to sin. And so if we're going to get rid of this terrible, the worst infection that ever lives, what is God going to do? Mm. He's going to destroy everybody who has that infection so that there is no infection in the universe and the universe is clean. But he's not going to do that until he has tried to rescue as many people as he possibly can because it's like this. Unlike the movie, in the movie, once the serum was developed, everybody wanted it. Yeah, They all lined up for it, like, yes, please, inject me. Mm. But in this scenario, the majority of people don't want it. So what options is God left with? Mm. You know, this is a heartbreaking situation that God finds himself in because he loves us beyond what we can imagine and he died for us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now, question of the day. All right, our question of the day is, this is from Freco, and it's essentially, Jacob fought till sunrise and was injured. What was that about? Okay, so uh, to, to sort of summarize the story, I guess Jacob has been living with his father-in-law Laban. Um, up in the northern area in Syria. He decides to travel back down south. Um, he has amassed great wealth. He has been up there for many, many years. His father has now passed away. Uh, his, um, his birthright that he stole from his brother seems to be kind of null and void. His brother has become a warrior in the meantime. Mm. And so he decides, you know, I'm going to travel back down south. These are my ancestral lands. I'm actually going to go back there. It's a bold move on his part. But at the same time, there was a lot of family friction between himself and his household and his wives and Laban and, you know, anybody who's lived in a 
situation where there's a lot of family friction like that can understand it like, okay, it makes sense. You, you're going to leave that. You're going to get out mm. of there. There's some really bad blood between all of them. And so he decides to, he decides to leave. Well, he's heading back to his ancestral lands and, of course, his brother Esau sees this as being a tremendous threat. And so he sets march with 400 soldiers, 400 warriors. Now, Jacob doesn't have warriors. He's not that kind of person. He never has been that kind of person. You know, uh, uh, Esau has always been a person of violence. He's a hunter and so forth and a man of action. And Jacob has been somebody who used to hang around the tents with his mother. And so... When you look at Jacob, you know, he's heading south. He hears that his brother is coming after him with 400 men. You can understand that he would be deeply, deeply afraid. And so you know, he, he, splits his, uh, he splits his caravan up and then he goes and finds a quiet place by himself to pray and he starts to pray for deliverance, I guess, you know, from his brother amongst everything else, all of the other problems that are assailing him. And in the middle of this prayer, what happens is that somebody grabs him and starts to wrestle with him. And he assumes that this is, you know, an assassin, somebody who desires, you know, violence against him. And the Bible says that they wrestle and they fight all night. This is a grappling fight. They fight all night long. We don't know how long all night was because he'd been praying up until this particular point. But I think the important thing here is that it went for a long time. It was exhausting because you get in a grappling fight with someone and just, just find out how long it takes you to be completely out of breath and completely out of energy. And um, at the end of this fight, his assailant touches his thigh and it's instantly dislocated. And he recognizes that this is a supernatural event. He recognizes that he is wrestling with God, that he's wrestling with Jesus Christ. and uh, um, And so rather than trying to break contact and get away, which is what you would normally do when you're completely disabled like that, he clings to this person. And this person's like, the sun's coming up. You've got to let me go. I can't be seen. You know, God says this. Jesus says this. You, I can't be seen. You've got, to, you've got to let me go. Let me go because the sun is rising. And Jacob's like, no, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Okay, so what's happening here and what is the lesson that we can learn from it? Jacob was relying, Jacob was stressed out over the situation because he was looking at his own strength. And in his own strength, there was no way in which he could match his brother's strength. And so he's stressing over this all night long. Then he has this wrestling match with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus didn't need to dislocate his leg to gain the victory over him. That was entirely unnecessary. But what Jesus needed to do was to disable him so that he would make a complete surrender, that he would, be com- he would not be relying in any way, shape, or form on himself, but that he would rely 100% on Jesus Christ. And every single one of us, we wrestle with temptations, we wrestle with things that are dragging us down, and while ever we're wrestling with those temptations, we will fail. It is only when we make that full surrender to Jesus Christ that he can give us the victory. And that's the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach in this particular story. So don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, because when you do so, you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Counsel's guide of hope.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.